Yep. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, sorry about the other one. It's um, you know, it'll, it'll remain on there and everything, but uh, yeah, apparently the blue snowball one doesn't work right now. I don't know what's going on with it, but maybe I have to get a new mic. Maybe I'll get a Yeti because they everybody says a Yeti is a little bit better than a blue snowball or something like that. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, I wanted to work. On. I don't know who that was. But yeah, I wanted to uh, welcome you to um, this review, this review, if you will, of last night's Dark Side of the Ring. And honestly, guys, I probably would have done this a lot earlier, except I decided to rest a little bit. You know, it's hot. It's been hot this past week. And I was hoping to go to the store, take care of some stuff. But, you know, I'm just going to wait on that till it's a little cooler, um, which shouldn't be bad. You know, I could probably do something tomorrow. I can just or I can do something on Monday. Uh, but anyway, you know, I was going to do this earlier, but I just decided to rest and everything. You know how it is. You get up early. You don't get that much sleep at times. You want to rest a little bit. And uh, that's what I decided to do. But also... But also, I just decided to, you know, take my time and all that coming on here to talk about this. Because this here, this uh, this episode was one of the, uh, last night's episode was probably, or is considered one of the darker um, episodes of Dark Side of the Ring um, this season, if not in the history, in the short two and a half, because next week's going to be the end of the is going to be the mid-season finale until i think later on in the summer when they talk about dynamite kid next week that's supposed to be the mid-season finale uh, before i think before they resume in which i would assume being about july or august maybe even the end of this month who knows um but yeah uh basically this is um considered one of the darkest ones in the short two and a half season history, um, if you will. The the whole third season won't be complete until, like I said, later on uh, this summer, I believe, like around end of this month or into July or August. So that that's about it. As I try to see who that was, I was calling. Yeah. Just another prank call. But anyway, you know, I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to come on here and and talk about this because this is what many would consider, as I was saying, one of the darker, um, one of the darker episodes, if not one of the darkest episodes they've done. And they've done some dark episodes. Do not, do not kid me on that because, like I said, do not kid me on that because, they they did one on of course last season they they opened up with um uh with you know Chris Benoit and what he did and then they they closed the last season with uh, Owen which you know it's it's kind of depressing when you when you hear about when you think about it um if you will it's really you know kind of depressing um but point 
point is, um, point is, uh, basically, I don't know what happened here. That's weird. Uh, the hashtag's messed up here. Hold on. Well, when I copied it, I don't know why Why I went to that, that direction. Yeah, I'm not sure why I win that direction. Hold on. Yeah, but like I said, uh, what was I? Oh, yeah. Like I was saying, it's just that it's considered one of the darker episodes they've done of this, you know, so far in the season because it is so. What's the word I'm looking for? It is so screwed up. That's the word I'm looking for. It is so screwed. It is so screwed up, um, if you will. And the thing just. Ended up going cuckoo on me here. Don't know why it did that. Yeah, but it's so, you know, screwed up, um, if you will, because, you know, of what it talks about, you know, of what it touches upon, because... You know, but you know what it touches upon because, you know, some people. Here's the thing: you watch this episode, and a lot of people will basically tell you that it is so that 
is just so screwed up with, you know, what Jake and his siblings had to go through. And because of this, as we find out at the end, they're straight. They're still kind of not, you know, talking with each other or anything like that. I mean, they know of each other's existence because they grew up kind of with each other. But because of everything they've gone through, you know, in their life, it's like, you know, there's... You know, there's just no way getting around that. That that's what's nuts about this. There's there's no way to 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 get around what they went through because it is so it is so screwed up. You know, it is so you know screwed up in, in, in ways that you can't. You know, you can't even uh, imagine, if you would. So, you know, it's, it's so screwed up that you can't even imagine wh- what kind of an effect it has on, on has on you personally until you get older, until you start noticing things that you're doing, and it just, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling when you, when you hear about what they had to go through and stuff. And I, I, this is to me, this is just an example of you know heredity in the family really just being passed on on uh, you know being passed on in such a negative way that you know. That you yourself, you can't even comprehend, you know, you know, why, you know, you're doing the things you're doing until they happen. You know, you really can't, you know, comprehend, you know, what, you know, the reason as to why you're acting this way or why you have these habits or these addictions and, and stuff like that until you realize, you know, it's because... Of the fact that your life growing up, your life growing up was so screwed up that it screwed that in the end, as the end that as an end result, it will start screwing you up the moment you the moment you get to a certain age or you start doing things that you know you feel will make your parent proud of you, but. You know, the parent, but, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, that's not always the case. You know, that's, you know, that's not always the case. And again, this is, this episode is so, I wouldn't say depressing because it does, you know, have a positive outlook. I mean, Jake at the end, you know, mentioned he's 10 years sober. And even when he talked about it, and even when he mentioned it, it surprised him like, wow, he's 10, 10 years sober, you know, and, and Rockin' Robin, she looks great. I'll be honest with you. She, for as old as she is, she looks great. She looks 
She looks basically like if she wanted to, just for a one-time, one-off deal, she wanted to, she could get physical in that ring again if she wanted to. Sam Houston, he's he, he looks like he's doing better. I'll put it that way. He looks, he definitely looks, I mean, he's definitely older. There's no doubt. Uh, he's, he, I'll put it this way. You know, if you compare what he looks like now to what he looked like in wrestling, he looks like, excuse me, he looks like a completely, you know, different person. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But, yeah, this was, you know, like I said, I tell you, this was one of the darker ones I have ever, ever seen, honestly. One of the darker ones uh, that they've done. I mean, like I said, it was dark when they talked about Benoit. It was dark when they talked about Owen. But this, this was like, this topped them all, literally. This legitimately, in my opinion, topped them all because it's like, you, you cannot make any of this stuff up. I mean, they had such a dark childhood as well as such a dark, you know, adulthood in a way, even after they, you know, grew up, you know, no, they didn't grow up, but well, they did grow up, but basically they, they had such, they had such a dark childhood. It was just, It's just hard to imagine, you know, what they went through. It really is. It's just hard, hard to fathom and imagine, you know, what each of them, you know, went through with this family. Because it was so screwed up. It was so, so, like I said, so depressing. I mean, first of all, you find out that the father was a freaking. Can I say the word on here? <laughs> he was such a freaking. Uh, you know. He, he was a. We'll put it this way. He was a freakophile. We'll just put it that way. I'm not. I'm not going to say any more than that. I kind of don't want to get into it. But he was a freakophile to young girls, and you know, nobody, you know, nobody except those that were around Grizzly Smith, you know, Jake and Rock and Jake and Robin and Sam's father uh, could even understand. You know, nobody, nobody could, you know, fathom as to why Grizzly was always having these young girls with him all the time. Now, one of the people they did interview, and I was surprised by this, because I think I may have heard something long ago, but wasn't sure, wasn't sure whether or not, you know, it was true. But one of the people that, <laughs> one of the people they talked to was Baby Doll. Yeah, Baby Doll, who used to escort Tully Blanchard. You know, used to escort Dusty Rhodes. You know, that baby doll. And even though she's older, you can tell it is her. And she was married to Sam Houston. And um, 
basically, you know, she remembers riding with Grizzly Smith. And one time they were going 50 miles off the road. You know, I, I think they were going to a show or something, but they were going 50 miles off the <laughs> off the road as their, you know, intended, you know, destination to pick up this young girl. And, you know, the parents, it seemingly were all cool with it and saying, saying, okay, bye, have a good time. And I think Baby Doll said that that's when it became kind of clear to her, but she didn't say anything or she wasn't, she, well, I think she said something along the lines that she kind of knew, but she didn't do anything because she wasn't too sure. But yeah, he, according to Baby Doll, he would go out of his way to to pick up young girls, to you know, to 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 have his his way with, if you will, to have his way with. And it's like you know, you you hear this and you kind of think to yourself, my my God. You know, how bad was this guy? And it wasn't just them. It wasn't just these girls, random girls that he would pick up. But it was also Robin. Rockin' Robin. Robin Smith, that, that's her real name. Robin Smith. Even she, she dealt with it. Because according to, according to Robin, you know, she would get ignored by him, not sure what she did. All she wants is his love and attention. And she explains that there was a few times that when a mom would be not home, when the mom would not be home, that, you know, he would call her into his, you know, his work area because he worked at home. And basically that um, he would hug her and tell her he loves her and everything. But then the hugs would get a little bit, but the hugs the attention would get a little bit more than just a hug, you know, daddy loves you and all that kind of deal, like a regular, like a real father should. It got more than that. It got, it got more, it got more to that. And it's just, you know, it, it was just enough to that years later when Robin was, you know, succeeding on her own and everything, living on her own. It was years later that uh, apparently she apparently she got a visit from her father. Now, I think what Robin did, because, you know, and, and I'm not sure if it was just her or it was both or if it was all three of them. It was her, Jake and Sam and even the other brother, because they had another brother that didn't get into wrestling. He didn't get into wrestling. I think it was um, Roger, I think his name was. He was uh he was one of the few, as he puts it, fortunate ones. He was one of the he was the fortunate one, basically to be you know to stay away from that. But um, but basically, uh, I would assume all of them had like a guest room set up because you know that's because of the father and just in case he ever stopped by or something. So. He, according to Robin, one day, while she was, I think, still wrestling for the WWE, WWF at that time, he stopped by 
and he stopped by with this young girl. And what happened is after he went to bed, you know, and everything, Robin stayed up all night with this girl. They didn't, apparently they didn't go to sleep. Well, I'm sure they did, but, you know, she said they stayed up most of the night. And she asked this young girl just the right questions. She asked her just the right questions that she needed to ask, you know, about, you know, her can, you know, why she was with uh, Grizzly Smith. And apparently she got the answers that she needed to hear because of her experience uh, with Grizzly. So when Grizzly decides it's time for them to leave the next morning or the next day, you know, Robin stops the young girl and says, you, dad, can go. You can leave. She's not. She's staying. And that was uh, that was about um, that was about it and everything. And I'm assume, and I would assume and guess because the way Robin is portrayed here, uh, even though she had her problems, as they would kind of hint at later on, uh, she definitely feels like she's the one. She definitely feels to me like the one that came out, as far as wrestling goes, came out a lot better, like a lot safer on the other side before even Jake and Sam eventually did. Uh, but yeah, she came out a, a, a lot better. Um, if you will, and I would assume she called up the parent. She probably called up the parents, called up the police, got the little girl taken back to her parents, so that you know, so that you know, she wouldn't have to be around Grizzly anymore. Not sure if the little girl ever went around Grizzly again, but still, Robin made sure. Hey, I'm not letting my dad do to this girl what he did to me. You know, and and that was about it. You know, that was about that was about it. It's like she did she did not want this little girl to suffer what she suffered, uh, if you know what I mean. Um, anyway, anyway, though, um, so they talk about all that. They talk about how the two wives that Grizzly had were like in the late teens, seventeen and eighteen. They talk about how Jake had to move back in with his dad after his grandma passed when he was 11. And, you know, Jake thought it was going to be all cool and everything. And then he found out it wasn't. And I think this was with when Grizzly had married his second wife, who was like around 18 or something like that, 18, 19. Uh, she was older than Jake. And she would, according to Jake, um, she would screw with him. She would play games with him, you know, mental games and everything. But not and not just that, but she would play sexual games with him. She would give sexual advances or, or something or or whatever. Or or even I think what Jake kind of alluded to is she would even bed with Jake, uh, with Jake um, uh, if you will. And. This really screwed Jake up a lot. I mean, he even went to his dad telling him, hey, this girl's doing what you, this girl's doing these things to me and, and all that. And, you know, that, 
you know, just, you know, he tried to, well, at least he tried to tell him, he tried to tell him, but, um, you know, she, the girlfriend prevented him and says, I'll deal with you later. And according to Jake, she came back in his room, uh, uh, with, what was it? Uh, a fly swatter or something and something else. And she beat him with it all because he was trying to tell his, his dad, Hey, this girl's making this wife of yours, this stepmom of mine is making, you know, these, uh, advances at me, you know, and I don't like it. And I think it was Jake that said that the reason his father didn't do anything about it is because he was doing the same thing, um, to other girls and mostly, I think it was Jake or it was Robin. I'm not really sure if it was, I think if I have to go back and watch it, but I think it may have been one of them. If I think it may have been Robin because he said that the reason, you know, Grizzly didn't do anything about that is because he was doing the same thing to her. So, or to other girls. So, yeah, it was, um, but yeah, like I said, it was really, it really screwed up Jake. It really screwed him up. The only one that had a lot of positive things um you know you know when uh the only when everybody else was kind of, what I'm trying to say is as I'm linking this to several places here uh the only person out of the out of the four or out, the only people I should say out of the four that had some positive things to say about him were Roger, the one that didn't get into wrestling, and in a way, Sam Houston. Yeah, Sam Sam said some positive stuff about his dad because he looked up to him. He said his dad was Superman to him. And he, I think in a way, I think later on, Sam, you know, I think during this, Sam did acknowledge that later on he was aware of what was going on, you know, but that, you know, his mom... His stepmom and his his sister, uh, Robin, you know, they and I think even Jake and Roger, you know, I think they didn't say anything to Sam because they knew Sam looked up to his dad. Because like Sam said, he was Superman to him because he was just this big, beastly guy, uh, you know, that was so powerful and, and all that. And I think, I think in some territories was a baby face. He was. I'm not really sure, but Sam looked up to him. He looked up to him in a big, big way. But, yeah, it was just, just one of those, one of those situations. But, yeah, you know, it's like he and Roger were like the only ones to, to say anything positive about, you know, hold on for a sec.
Sorry about that. Had my mom call me up again to, to let me know she's going to be a little late getting home. Um, she'll get home fine. She, it's just, you know, she's dealt with this before, you know, traffic and everything and, you know, certain situations happening on, on the highway that, you know, shouldn't be happening or anything. Um, but anyway, what was I? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to check something. But, uh, yeah, getting back to what I was saying. But getting back to what I was saying. Um, uh, basically, it was, like I said, Sam was, Sam and Roger were the only ones to really have anything nice to say about Grizzly um, in a way. I mean, they were both, I'll say it this way. The one thing all of them ever, the one thing all four of them did agree upon is Grizzly was not the apologetic kind. You know, it's like even if they, even if he did something wrong and they knew about it, he never said sorry. He never was apologetic about it. You know, and when it came to some of his kids, like with Jake, who he named after him, yeah, because the real name is Alurian, Alurian Smith, and Jake basically said because of you know the hatred that he had due to his father doing what he did to him, you know, he, now you kind of understand why he'd rather be, be Jake the snake. It, it, it sounds like what Jake is saying, the way Jake described it here was that he and Allurian Smith Jr. are two separate personalities. Like he keeps Allurian Smith locked in because Allurian Smith has yet to grow up and accept and kind of really accept everything that's happened in his life. Well, Jake has grown up. Jake is his own man. And, you know, he doesn't have to worry about what Lillian Smith went, Lillian Smith Jr. went through. So that's kind of depressing in a way to, to know that someone that, as he puts it at the end of the episode, has been sober for uh, 10 years, for a decade, you know, mentally has to lock a side of himself away because of everything he went, you know, he went through as a kid. And, and that is depressing as absolutely depressing. Um, if you will, but anyway, anyway, uh, getting back on, but anyway, like I said, um, Sam, Sam, uh, like I said, and, and Roger were the only ones had any positive things to say about Grizzly. But Sam, though, just like with Jake and, and even Robin, Robin dealt with this, I think, very, very briefly. But she she dealt with it uh, as well as, you know, they all had the problems because of the, the, the life growing up. You know, Sam, apparently, according to Jim Cornette, because he was able to look up more information as a historian. You know, being in the business and then later on taking that knowledge and becoming a historian about, you know, with it, I should say, um, basically said that Sam had the all time Texas state record for DUIs. Yeah, had the all time Texas record. I think around he said, I think he said it was around like 22 or something like that DUIs. And that 
the only reason he wasn't serving prison time, you know, throughout all of those was because Grizzly Smith was able to get him off. He was able to get him off with, you know, fines and, and community service and stuff like that. I mean, Sam said basically that one of the community services he did because he would do, he put his heart and soul into doing it, you know, make sure everything was done was he, um, you know, he uh, basically uh, washed 10 fire, fire trucks in a row for the parade uh, where they were. He didn't say what parade it was, but, you know, yeah, he said he, he had done that, 10, ten of them. Um, but finally, uh, unfortunately, those 22 DUIs that he had, that he was, most of them he got, got off him because of his dad and who his dad knew, the connections, uh, finally caught up with him. Um, I don't know if it was in Texas or in another state, but it finally caught up to him. And the reason it caught up to him, apparently from what they were uh, alluding to or connecting it to, was MAD, M-A-D-D, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And uh, basically, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving got a hold of his records, got a hold of everything from you know, he, him being dismissed and, you know, being, you know, uh, let off because of this and that. And it was like, okay, this, this, to them, it just didn't seem right. You know, to them, it just, you know, didn't seem right that, you know, this guy that, you know, like I said, as Jim Cornette put it, has the old time record, you know, has the old time record for, um, you know, basically for, you know, for drunk, for drunk driving, for DUIs, drinking under the influence, drinking under the influence, I should say, is always getting out scot-free because of who he's connected with. So, you know, they pulled whatever resources they could and they finally got him arrested and he got sentenced to, I think, as I hit the mic there, I, I think he got sentenced to, to, I don't know how many years because when Grizzly Smith passed in 2010, he was still in jail. So I don't know. Um, let me let me check. Sam Houston and you know Sam's real name is Michael Smith, by the way. So uh, let's see. Let's see. Ten years, so according to Wikipedia. And he was sentenced to 10 years uh, in prison. So, 
So yeah, um, apparently he got out, I guess, parole-wise, because it says in 2019 he resurfaced at the Louisiana indie scene for old-school wrestling entertainment based in New Orleans. So he said he was in jail still at that time, so I'm wondering if maybe he can't. Because, you know, one thing I'll I'll say about, about Sam Houston, Michael Smith here, is even though he can recall some things and all that, most of the things, I think, you know, because you've been in the business for so long, the timelines, you know, in and out of the business may uh, confuse you, um, if you will. So he says he was in jail at that time, but, and he might have been, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, he might have been, you know, at that time, I, I don't know, but, um, but I, I think perhaps, <coughs> excuse me. So he, he, he might have been, but again, he might. I think what it was is he might have been in and out. I'm not really sure. So, yeah, it's a. According to this, uh, he was in wrestling in in 2007. So I think he may have served about maybe a year and a half, two year sentence. Um. Uh, if you will. And got off with parole because of good behavior. I, I don't know. I don't really know. But they they didn't go into that. They didn't. All he said was he was in jail at that time uh, when his dad passed. So I don't know. Maybe his timelines are conflicted, or maybe he did go back into jail or something like that, um, if you will. So I, I don't. I don't really know. I don't. I don't really know. Okay, here, let's see. So yeah, so I, again, I don't, I don't really know how, what you know, what timelines match up or anything. Um, if you will, excuse me. Um, you know, like I said, I don't know, you know, again, whether his timelines are screwed up or what's going on. But yeah, he said that when his dad passed, he was in, he was in prison. You know, so again, I don't know if the timelines match up or what's going on, but you know, he Sam Houston um, had, you know, I wouldn't say he was on the levels of Jake, but to have over to have the all-time Texas record, Texas state record for DUI arrest, and then be finally and then finally have that caught up to you. To be your sentence to about ten years, if not more so, in prison because of that, and all thanks to the mothers of all thanks to the mothers against drunk driving, mad. Um, yeah, it really is a life lesson. But what's depressing about it, according to what he said, is not even two days behind bars, and he was going to kill. He was going to hang himself. He was. He basically said that he was going to to hang himself, and he said, "God, only you can prevent this from happening." And God basically is like, "Yeah, kid, you're you're not entering your life like this. You know, you're not you're not ending your life like this. You know, you you're not ending ending your life like this because when he tried to do it, 
the rope that would have hung him snapped and basically it broke. And that was, in my opinion, when I heard that, because when he basically said, God, only you can be the one that prevents this, God, in my opinion, God, <laughs> he cut that thing. And he's like, kid, you ain't ending your life like this. You're not going to end your life like this because you had a screwed up childhood. You know, you're going to have, you got a future to look forward to. You got a future to look forward to. Do not end it here behind bars because of something that happened in your childhood that screwed you up. To me, I think God gave him a second chance. He really did. But, and honestly, you know, just like with Jake, you know, just like it, you know, just like with Jake, when they talked to Jake during the warrior episode, I think honestly, because they've done so much, you know, alcohol and drugs and all that, that, you know, the timeline, if you will, for when they, you know, you know, the timeline basically associated with, with them, you know, when it comes to what they did outside of the ring and in the ring, I think it's kind of screwed up a little bit. I think they, I, I think honestly, they can't really recall exactly when a lot of this, a lot, a lot of things happened. My assumption with Sam is he may have been in and out of jail sometimes. That that's what I'm thinking. So I would assume that when Grizzly passed, I would assume that when Grizzly uh, passed. You know, he might have been back in jail. I'm not really sure. Like I said, he might have been back in jail. Uh, but I can't can't really say. Because he said he was in jail when that happened. So I don't know if maybe Wikipedia has got its information screwed up or, or, or something. Because they did not. Here's the thing. They had Jim Cornette on there, but they didn't have Jim Cornette try to come on and you know, correct what Sam was saying because, you know, obviously it was true. So I'm guessing Wikipedia probably. So here's what I'm thinking, because they say Wikipedia is saying he, you know, resurfaced around this time frame. I'm thinking he was in and out, like maybe he had some kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't say deal, but some kind of sentence that, you know, would allow him to go out, be out, you know, go out, you know, work if he had to. On pro- but be on probation, and then afterwards he would come back to jail. You know, he would come back and you know continue to serve his sentence behind bars. I'm not, again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how things work in that matter. In that matter, um, if you will. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure how things work in that matter. But apparently, that's the only thing I can think of. Is he? He was kind of. He had some kind of sentence that would allow him to leave, you know, to go, you know, maybe to with the escort of the police, I would assume, to work, whether it was wrestling or something else, and then come back. Um, but yeah, he's, he's apparently, he apparently uh, has been in and out, uh, if you will, of, like I said, uh, you know, in and out of jail at that time frame uh, when his pass when Grizzly Smith's passing happened. Um, this is now they said that his home. Uh, let's see. Um, he, well, his home was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina uh, when that happened, 
you know, uh, it says he worked part time in a construction company, company and also helped his father at a cemetery, which is operated by the Firemen's Charitable and Benevolent Association near the French Quarter in New Orleans. So, again, now that's an answer. So there's your answer right there. Maybe maybe that's how he was in and out uh, for a while because of his dad. So I don't know. You know, I don't really know, uh, to be to be honest with you. But yeah, him and but out of the three that were in wrestling, you know, Rock and Robin, Robin Smith is probably the one that got out got out the safest when she decided to hang it up when it came to her brothers. Because, you know, they they did touch upon that just like with you know, just like with Sam, you know, she dealt with her own alcoholic addictions. But she said it wasn't as bad for her. Like, she knew how to handle it, but she would drink and everything. But, you know, she knew how to handle it. She, you know, she wasn't as bad as her brothers, which was amazing, which is a miracle, I should say, to say, um, if you will. Now, they did, now getting on to Robin here, and Sam Houston, as far as I can tell, he looks like he's doing better, but I think he does probably get some, uh, mental help sometimes, like he gets therapy. He works, but he gets maybe some help a little bit, you know, mental, mental wise to kind of help him get through the day. You know, he still smokes and everything, but I think he's, I think he's gotten to a point to where he might go and see somebody once in a while just to, you know, help him out. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to church too. I would not be surprised because, like he said, only God could have prevented him from t- taking his own life, and God did. God's like, like I mentioned, God probably is like looking at him and saying, "No, kid, not today." You know, so I'm so I'm glad he's doing fine. Uh, Robin, uh, basically, she her career, even though it wasn't a long career, you know. When she got her opportunity uh, to work a couple of dark matches in WWE with Sherry Martell, Sensational Sherry, um, one of the matches, she impressed Vince McMahon. She called him Mr. McMahon, so I don't know if maybe she's trying to get a job in there, maybe on screen or something like that. I, in WWE, I'm not really sure. That That's the first time I've ever heard anybody on this Dark Side of the Ring deal you know, call Vince McMahon Mr. McMahon. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she. Maybe it's just more formal for her, um, if you will. But I'm not really sure. It makes you wonder. <laughs> you know, it makes you wonder. Maybe she's trying to get in. Um, can't really say. But he impressed her enough to where a couple of weeks later she said she received a package with a schedule, airline tickets, and all that. And you know, for her, when it came to WWF, WWE, the rest is history. The rest is history. And, you know, like I said, you know, after that, they, they showed highlights of her winning the Women's Championship in Paris, France. And, um, you know, I, I knew who Rockin' Robin was. I'll put it that way to you. I'll, I knew who she was. I'd seen her wrestle before. And, you know, I and when you look at her today, like I said, even though she's older, you could see that she still looks good. Rockin' Robin still looks good, to be honest with you. 
Now, she did say that she was considering doing that, you know, when they asked her what her wrestling name was and she just said uh, Rock and Robin, you know, she was also considering maybe I should try Rotten Robin, <laughs> you know, in case, you know, maybe. And I think the reason she said, and I think the reason maybe, in my opinion, she said that was just in case she might want to consider going heel down the line. But yeah, she's like, you know, she was just jokingly saying maybe I, you know, I was considering doing Rotten Robin, but Rocket. Rock and Robin worked better because, you know, I think at that time, even though they were slowly, very slowly at the time she showed up, phasing out the women's division for that error, uh, there was not enough baby faces um, for the women's division at that time to, you know, uh, to balance it out. So they'd had to go with. They obviously they had they saw Robin and they're like, yeah, you're going to be a baby face, <laughs> you know. And the rest is history. Uh, excuse me. And um, and yeah, you know, like I said, the three she turned out very, very well. She turned out well. So again, she had her addictions that they touched upon, but she turned out well. She really did. Now they did talk to the other brother, who, like I said, had a little bit more to to say. You know, you know, had it well, didn't have a little bit more, but had his fair share to say. Uh, he said he didn't get into wrestling because of the traveling and that it basically just wasn't for him. But then, when you really want to talk about dark and everything when it comes to the special, they get to something that when WWE, when WWE talked about this, they made it sound like more along the lines that, you know, this was a murder. That occurred, and it, may, and it might have been, if you will, and it, while it's considered that way, is when they talked about their sister Jolene, and apparently, days if not weeks before everything went down, according to Rock and Robin, Jolene met with her. You know, went shopping and everything. To you know, got something to eat. And Jolene asked her all these questions, you know, about the father and her and, and Robin's interactions with her dad and if he did this and that. And it's almost it's almost like Jolene to her just needed someone to talk to to try to get information about what was going on to see if maybe, you know, her, her sister was going through the same thing as her as she did. Because apparently, because Robin, when Jolene would talk to her about this, it was very, 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 um, you know, very. If not, it was, it was kind of like very much confirmation to her in a way that Jolene was had gone through the same stuff. And and what's funny. Well, not not funny, but what's what's weird about the whole situation is, like she said, a couple weeks later, her sister disappeared. Her sister was kidnapped, um, if you will. And they found out about this because I think Jake had just started wrestling. Or he was still living with his grandma or something like that. 
He said he was still living with his grandma. Uh, he he was wrestling. I think he started to to wrestle. Let me let me let me see here. When did he start his career? Okay, he started his career in 1974. So he was wrestling um, at that time, if you will. He was wrestling around at 19 years old. And um, and basically... Uh, basically, uh, uh, basically, uh, I think Robin, because yeah, she's nine years younger than than him. Um, yeah, she's nine years younger than him, but yeah, Robin and like I said, Robin and her brothers, Sam, uh, Michael Smith, and, and Roger, were uh, basically at a, a, a skating rink at that time, in 1979, oh boy, 1979, talk about a year, when I, when I saw the year of her kidnapping, I was like, and it was months after I was born, I was like, oh my god, (laughs) what's with this year, you know, Uh, but anyway, anyway, though, uh, like I was saying, um, they they were at a skating rink and they got a call. They they got a call. Um, um, if you will, um, over the intercom. You know, for them to go to the front. And when they got home, if you will, when they got home. They saw a letter from their dad. I don't know if their dad was there or something, but they said they saw a letter uh, from their dad stating that their sister Julene had been kidnapped. And to Robin, she found it kind of weird of how would he know this already? How would he know this? How would he know she was kidnapped? And, you know, they, they, they weren't... So it's like something just, you know, something just did not seem, because you, you kind of tell in a way that even Roger, the one that also kind of had some positive things to say about Grizzly, um, he, even he's kind of suspicious whether or not Grizzly, his dad had something to do with the disappearance, but, you know, what happened was, um, she got kidnapped, uh, apparently, from her trailer park home. She was living in this big trailer park area. And 
you know, apparently, according, well, you know how they like to dramatize things. We're not really sure this is how it happened or anything. Uh, but according according to to the sheriff that they talked to, whose nickname is Buzz, um, but you know he, the Buzz guy, the Buzz sheriff, uh, said that they never had anything like this around their area. They never had anything of this manner take place, you know, in the town. You know, even especially in a trailer park area like that. But they did, and he said he remembers driving in that area, patrolling, when the manager, the landlord, I guess, of the trailer park comes up to him and says, hey, we had a kidnapping, you know, here. And they walked into the house, into the trailer house, and the only thing they saw there, because they heard it as well, was the baby. And the baby was fine. The husband came home. The husband came home and everything, and um, it was broken down apparently about what was ha- what happened. And they noticed, according to the sheriff, they noticed some yellow envelopes and everything at the side. And the husband's like, "Those are for my ex-wife." They were threatening to hurt my. They basically what they were were letters threatening Jolene. They were from her Jolene's husband's ex-wife threatening um, threatening Jolene. And that was enough evidence for them to search the ex-wife in her car. They found the evidence that they needed, incriminating evidence, and she was arrested. Uh, she she was arrested. Um and um, what happened was she did, the lady, the ex-wife of the husband, did admit to the kidnapping, but then said Jolene escaped. That she escaped and everything, but they weren't sure. But they weren't sure that she was telling the truth. She just said she escaped. And a lot of people were kind of suspicious about that. Like, okay, if you kid, she you kidnapped her, you, you're responsible for it. How do you know she escaped? You know, how, how is that possible? Now, uh, the brother, the Roger brother, I think, said that his sister was a big girl. That's how they described her. And that she was the kind that would not um, go down without a fight, if you will. She would not easily go down because they used to wrestle and tumble with each other as kids. So she would not easily go down. But, you know, apparently, apparently that's what happened. You know, if you will, apparently that, apparently, well, I wouldn't say that's what happened because the way they described it in the dramatization that being Dark Side of the Ring, it took like maybe two individuals to kidnap her. And... Again, it's like they couldn't locate her afterwards. After they made the arrest of the ex-wife who admitted to the kidnapping or involvement in it, you know, they couldn't find Jolene. Uh, They even had a psychic come in and said, I think I can help you. And the psychic 
if you believe that stuff, no offense, um, but if you believe that stuff, she came in, said, told the sheriff, I think I can help you. And she just needed a piece of Jolene's property or at least an article of Jolene's clothing or something. And she said that there was a dark well. That she could see darkness, like a dark well and all that, an abandoned dark well. So the sheriff said, okay, let's see if we can find information on any abandoned dark wells, which they did. And they searched, but they couldn't find anything. They could not find anything um, of any kind. They couldn't. They couldn't find any, uh, any body in these wells, nothing. And the one thing that the, the sheriff said that might have caused them not to be able to find the body or anything is the fact that Jolene worked at a plant that had, and this is, when they, when they described this part, because, you know, WWE, they may have talked about it in their documentary for Jake, but when, but when, when they talked about it, they did not go into any kind of, you know, detail or anything of this nature. They just said what they had to say and they were done. But here the sheriff, like, the only thing they knew of was Dolene worked at a plant with an insinuator. Yeah, an insinuator. And they could only assume, and the sheriff could only assume that the reason they can't find any evidence or any body or any, even nowadays, any skeleton, any, any skeleton remains, if you will, of a body that would probably match hers is due to the fact that when she was kidnapped, they either murdered her, you know, on the way to the plant or that when they got to the plant, that's when they murdered her. Or when they got to the plant, they just did the unthinkable. And what I'm saying is that, according to what they said, that they, according to what the sheriff said in the special, was they either killed Jolene, you know, Jake, Ro- Jake and Robin and Michael and Roger's sister, and then tossed her dead body into the insinuator, burning any evidence. Or they killed her when they got there, when she, I guess, let them in or something like that. Or let, I don't know, something something to that nature, and then tossed her in. Or basically they tossed her in and let her burn alive. We don't really know. But that, that is basically, that is basically the one piece of evidence that, you know, the sheriff could guess it would be the only explanation as to why they couldn't find any evidence that, you know, the ex-wife and her associates either killed, uh, either killed a Jolene, you know, on the way to the plant and then tossed the body in the insinuator, killed her when they got to the plant and then, you know, and got to the room with the insinuator and then, like I said, killed her and tossed her in 
or they, well, basically she was alive when they got there and then they tossed her in alive. We're not really sure. Nobody's really sure. But it was, this was just, again, this was one of the darker parts of it because it's like, damn, how, how can you, how can you even come to that conclusion? And it might have been, uh, it might be the only conclusion. It's like, how could, how can that even happen? You know, why would anybody want to do that? I mean, they did say that, and Robin's the one to describe this, that when they found out about the kidnapping, Roger basically punched a hole right through the wall out of anger because he was very protective of his sister. He punched, he punched that hole, punched a hole in the wall um, out of anger. And what's, what's, uh, what's a crate and, Again, what's what's weird about it is it's alluded that perhaps, and even Roger kind of talks about that. Like I said, even the Roger son uh, brings this up. What's what's crazy about it is and weird and just eerie in a sense is the fa- they is that they don't know whether or not the father may have had something to do with it. Because how would they know that she was kidnapped, um, if you will? How would he know about all this? You know, did he have – because the only thing that Roger and Robin, mostly Robin, can think of as to why he would be involved was mainly the fact that, you know, mainly it was mainly the fact that, you know, Jolene – might have been ready or might have been getting close to being ready to expose the truth about him and that that could ruin his career and he didn't want that. Well, we're not really sure. We're not really sure. But yeah, it's just just crazy. It's just crazy. And they even mentioned the fact that Robin even mentions that that Roger wanted to go to Unsolved Mysteries. And try to get try to get the uh, the, the case um, um, solved in a sense, but that Grizzly was against it and said, "No, don't do that. You know, you don't have to do that. We don't need to do that." And Robin's first suspicion is like, "Well, why not? They they're known to help solve murder cases or any kind of mysterious um, cases out there, kidnappings and stuff like that." So. And so she found it suspicious. I think Roger found it suspicious that he didn't want anything. He didn't want unsolved mysteries involved. And it was really crazy. It's really crazy to hear that. Um, anyway. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's like they, even to this day, they have not found any evidence of her disappearance. You know, they haven't found nothing. It's just, um, it's just, it's one of those things like, you know, they don't know, they, they can only assume the worst. They can only assume the worst, um, if you will. 
But then we get to Jake. And, you know, they go over everything we, we pretty much that's been covered with Jake. They go over just about everything with him. Um, like I mentioned earlier, he pretty much is locked away Olivia Smith Jr. in favor of Jake because being Jake kind of, you know, kind of basically makes him his own man now, kind of his own individual. But yeah, they go through a lot about Jake here. And they, they mentioned how he took a lot of that hatred. You know, Jake's the one that actually brings this up. You know, when they asked how he came up with his character and all and, all, and everything, he says, it's because all the hatred he has for his dad. All that hatred, everything he's gone through, he manifested it into his character. And then he th- and then when he mentions that, he says, thanks, Dad. Patui spits on the ground. Like, yeah, thanks a lot for turning me. Basically, by spitting on the ground, he's like, yeah, thanks, Dad, turn- for turning me into this monster, if you will. But, yeah, they went over everything for, with him. He even said that, you know, cocaine was like his top priority over, every, you know, every, over everything. And there were times it got so bad that it felt things, that things just got freaky deaky, as they would say. You know, to the point that he have a lampshade on his head. You know, they were doing the thing with dogs, cats, what I was like, what the F? <laughs> you know, you hear this, you're like, what the hell? Kind of deal, but yeah, they it and, and you know it just you know it just got to a point that it was just depressing, and they even did touch and they did touch upon believe it or not the heroes of wrestling incident and how he showed up there and he was just in no condition. He was in no condition. Jim Cornette even said that you know a lot of the guys that were there gave piss poor performances because. They were either old or they were past their prime. But Jake was the worst out of them all because of what he did in the, that night. And it was just, as Jim Cornette puts it, the 747,000th or so story of Jake showing up someplace not in any good condition. And again, it's depressing. I'm surprised they didn't touch upon freaking beyond the mat. Because I remember watching Beyond the Mat, and they were filming Jake at an independent show, and he was taking a piss in a freaking bucket. That's how bad he was. But thank the Lord he's gotten better. And as he said towards the end of this, he's now 10 years sober. And they didn't touch upon the fact that part of that was with the help of DDP Yoga. I wish they would have done that, given Paige some credit. But... But yeah, they you know he's ten years sober and he's proud of it. He said basically he's made it, and that's the only bright spot at the end of this for for you know the real bright spot at the end of this, with possible with a possibility that that might be some communications finally opening between them, between all th- all four of them because of the estrangement. I mean, Roger basically said he was the fortunate one because he was given up for adoption. So he was the fortunate one not to have to follow in those footsteps or anything. But yeah, man, it was just like I said, it was just so 
uh, just so depressed. But, 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 but yeah, it's just so, so screwed up. That it's so screwed up that what these, what these, uh, uh, and what these people had to go through as kids, so screwed up. I mean, according to Baby Doll, when she and Sam were together, that he would drink, much to her surprise, he would drink something along the lines of 32 cores and Cokes or something like that. And he was still able to walk. It's like, okay, that's that's surprising. That's new to hear. Um, but, you know, but, you know, they, they, they touched upon that. They touched upon the fact that the reason Sam was never really utilized to his potential was because he was small for his size, you know, slim for his size, if you will. But one thing Jim Cornette said was if, if basically, uh, basically, uh, you know, if, if wrestling, this is what Jim Cornette said. He said, if they would not had at that time, if they'd not judge people by, you know, look or how big they were, but on the pure technical skills, that Sam would be considered the best because he was out of the kids, out of out of all of them. Uh, excuse me. Um, like I said, she, you know, he was the best, you know, in-ring competitor. If it may, from a men's standpoint, between him and JQ, Sam was the best. Rock and Robin, obviously, was one of the better. Rock and Robin, I'll put it this way: she, she wanted to. Her goal was to make women's wrestling at that time as exciting as the men's. That was her goal. And I'll tell you this, if she saw how wrestling was or has gotten for the women over the past several years, despite how people may look at it, she would actually be happy with what she saw or what she's seen. You know, despite how some people may feel about it from a fan's perspective right now, I think Robin would be proud of, hey, you know, that dream you wanted women wrestling to to be as equal and on the same excitable level as the men's. Yeah, just tune into WWE, tune into AEW, and even NWA, and you'll kind of get your wish. Or you kind of see that your wish came true, <laughs> if you will. Um, but yeah, um, you know, besides some, you know, some bright spots here and there, was, I'm going to say this honestly, besides some bright spots here and there, especially towards the end, with Jake, you know, acknowledging 10 years sober and the possibility that this communication open between all four of them now to finally, you know, put the past behind them and, 
move forward with the future. Um, I'll say this: besides those bright spots, this this is, was this was definitely, with those bright, with the exception of those bright spots, this was definitely the most depressing. This was probably the most depressing, the darkest one that we've seen. And it's just going to get darker (laughs) as time goes on because next week, Dynamite Kid. Dynamite Kid is next. And then you got other ones down the line, like XPW is going to probably be dark. Um, I know that Chris Canyon is going to be dark in a sense. I know that Luna might be a little dark because they're going to do one on Luna for Sean. I think that's the word going around. So they got a couple of more episodes that are going to be pretty dark in a sense when it comes to certain subject matter matter during those episodes. But yeah, right now, so far throughout its two and a half season run, this this and next week are probably the darkest they've done. I mean, if you look at the if you look at their history, I'll put it this way: the top five right now in the short lived history. You know, the top five, Benoit, Dino Bravo, Benoit, Owen Hart, Dino Bravo, yesterday's episode, uh, you know, in the Grizzly Smith, in the shadow of Grizzly Smith with Jake, Robin, and, and Sam Houston, and then potentially next week's episode on Dynamite Kid. Those are the dark ones. Those are going to be your dark ones so far, your top five. Um. But yeah, if you want to watch this episode, it is on demand. Just be prepared to, you know, just really be like, you know, like if you have to pause it after certain after certain moments and all that that they talk about, or the certain subjects they talk about, just go ahead and do it because it's one of those episodes that where you could you could watch it over and over, but you have to really pace yourself with it because of what it deals with. And they do acknowledge at the beginning that it does deal with incense and sexual abuse. And if you discretion is advised and they also give the um, online information and, and the telephone number to call in case of those kind of things as well. And they basically have Robin and Jake, you know, do kind of like a PSA at the end saying, Hey, if you're dealing with this, you know, get help, run, Go find somebody to talk to, pastor, police officer, whatever, but get yourself to safety. And that's all and that's pretty much all you can do if you're in these kind of in these kind of uh, relationships, these kind of fa- uh, relationships from a family perspective or, or, or whatever. But yeah, like I said, besides a few bright spots here and there, this was definitely one of the darker ones they've done. It's definitely one of the darker ones they've done. But again, like I said, it's available online at Vice TV's website. I think several people have posted it here on the YT as well as at Daily Motion. And you can find it on demand on Vice On Demand on, on your cable company or your cable provider. Uh, but that's all I'm going to say, guys, on this one. Um, so, yeah, um, one of the darker ones they've done. And I can't say any more than that. Uh, but I thank God that both Robin and Jake and Michael, Sam Houston, if you will, um, I thank the Lord that they're doing safe or they're doing well now. And hope and I pray God's going to 
guide them in the right direction and hopefully guide them to reconcile with each other. And, you know, so that all for them, and this includes Roger, I'm thankful he's doing good too, that all four of them are able to reconcile and get back together and build towards a better future and leave that tragic past behind them, you know, for now. And hopefully maybe God will provide answers as to what happened to the sister uh, in the future so they can get some closure there as well. But that's all I'm going to say, guys. So till next time, God bless. Take care. Thank you all for watching. Check me out at patreon.com at BWRosis, as well as check me out at your various favorite podcast locations where you'll find an audio version of this uploaded very, very soon, or hopefully soon down the line. And those you know, podcast locations are places like Amazon Music, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, Player.fm, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You can find me at all these locations. I'm still working on Pandora and all that. Hopefully I'll get that worked out soon um, as well. But yeah, thank you all for watching. Really appreciate it. So until next time, God bless. Take care. I am out. Peace.